Welcome to the Ross Republic podcast. My name is Adrian. I'm partner for digital banking at Ross Republic. And today we're going to talk about how traditional banks can capitalize on embedded finance. And I'm super happy to be joined by Christopher Marmer, the um, head of SEB Embedded. How are you doing, Christopher? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. I'm great. Good to be here. Uh, exciting topic and thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks also for joining and for taking the time. Um, maybe to introduce you uh, right at the start, I saw on your LinkedIn profile that you had yeah, worked for a long time in traditional banking roles and uh, since 2018 have been heavily involved with SCB, SCBX and now SCB Embedded. Um, so maybe can you provide a few words about yourself and I would be particularly interested to hear why you switched to focus on innovation um, a few years ago. Yeah, no, so you're absolutely right and, and, and good research there, Adrian. I mean, I, my background is very much in banking and finance. I, I was a banks analyst at Goldman Sachs for many years, so analyzing banks from the outside. And then I worked for a hedge fund for a couple of years, uh, investing in, in banks and financial services, and then joined a bank, as you rightly pointed out, SCB a number of years ago, and worked in different parts of the bank, um, Mm -hmm. ran the wealth management business and then uh, co-headed the retail division. And it was really in in that that those years running um, retail together with a, a colleague of mine. Um, and I'm focused was focused on the private customer part of the business that we felt that there was really a need to um, you know accelerate our own speed. Um, and at that time we're back in 2015, 2016, you know, we felt the, the acceleration of changing customer behavior in combination with the opportunities that comes with new technology, you know, revamped regulatory landscape, all these things kind of coming together. Um, yep. And our, you know, our, our strategic ambition, you know, was never the problem. We really wanted to do all those things. It was just that we felt that we were kind of constrained by, you know, not just our legacy tech, but also processes, structures, committees, pricing, all sorts of things that were set in the ways and been working tremendously well for many, 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 many years um, yep. that now gets challenged. So this was really to answer your question um, when we started in the group executive committee talking about what if we restarted the whole thing on the side, starting okay. a bank from scratch, what would it look like if we started a bank from scratch today? Um, and, um, you know, we decided we wanted to keep it as part of the group because we want to run on the license, the capital liquidity, all the strength that incumbents bring, um, but then borrow a leaf out of the fintech kind of handbook uh, in terms of working agile, leveraging new technologies, um, you know, that curious mindset of, of working differently and blending all those things together. So, you know, the first PowerPoint presentation looked really neat. You know, you had this strength of the incumbent on the one side and the strength of the fintech on the other side. It's like, hey, SCBX will blend the two. Um, and and uh, of course, as, as you can imagine, once you get to execution, it's, it's a different story. But that was really the, you know, the, the starting point of SCBX is, is, mm -hmm. is working in that way to kind of you know, try and drive more disruptive innovation, but inside the group, um, running it at the fringe of the organization, such that you can leverage a lot of the benefits, you can share a lot of your experiences, but still keeping it sufficiently contained such that you can really bring new perspectives and, and, and work in new ways. Okay, no, that sounds super exciting. So happy to uh, do a deep dive on that now in the next uh, couple of minutes. Um, yeah. And I also write online, SCBX um, was founded uh, exactly as you just said, um, like uh, with the purpose of exploring on the one hand, new technologies, 
uh, new customer offerings um, by really combining both the, the freedom you have when you start over, the legacy-free infrastructure that usually fintech startups enjoy, plus com in combination with the trust, the experience, capital, and so on of, uh, of an established incumbent. Um, so I was wondering when I also read the, uh, the recent press release, um, since I think SAP uh, X started out as a banking as a service platform, and now you have uh, kind of created a new unit called SAP Embedded. So how would you then describe the difference now between the two, two units and the focus um, that each of these units now have? Great question, Adrian. So, so really what started out, as you exactly point out, with, with a mandate to explore new tech and build new products. Okay. This meant that the brief from the outset was extremely broad. There was no particular area, no particular project, no particular segment, and no particular business that you know, SCBX was asked to explore okay. or build, but rather to, to your point, try and blend those two worlds together, the strength of the incumbent and the strength of the fintech, um, and build a business. And okay. you know, we, we already had an innovation lab. We, we were investing in fintech companies. So there was a lot of things already going on, but we were conscious that this was not going to be a laboratory where we just explore things and say, hey, it's cool with AI, uh, wonder what you can do with it, or cloud is important, how can we leverage it? So rather say, there needs to be a business angle with this. So yep. the build new products aspect of the purpose was to say that, you know, whatever we're exploring, whatever we want to, you know, dive into, there needs to be a business built at the end of it. And we even actually used, um, you know, one of the Sequoia pitch deck uh, templates yep. uh, to come up with businesses to say that, hey, if we want to bring something to market, it needs to be something that should stand on its own two feet and not just an alibi for technology exploration. Yeah. So. We started out building a, a, a tech platform and with a value proposition. And our first business that we brought to market was a business for self-employed. It's called Unquo that still yep. operates today. Um, and this was also our way to validate if that tech stack that we built at the fringe of the organization, sitting on the side, a cloud native, we choose to work with Google Cloud. We have you know, the Thought Machine, Core Banking Ledger. We're using, yep. you know, working with this fintech startup in Sweden called Roaring. We're working with a number of, of technology partners to kind of piece this new technology stack together and also redesigning a lot of the processes and the you know, infrastructure that we have had experiences from building in SAB for so many years. So yep. we can really take that experience and say, hey, how would we build this and design access rights and arrangements and agreements and all those things if we got the opportunity to do it from start. So building all those things from scratch, getting the platform up and running, launching the first product, that was sort of our way to validate that you know this can actually be done. We can go into production. I think we were the first Nordic bank to have you know private customer data in a you know live production cloud uh, public cloud environment. So keeping it small, operating it under controlled circumstances, but really exploring a new way of, of both building and, and, and running the business. So that in place, to then come to your question, so how that then morphed into SCB Embedded. So we start built a tech stack, launched it, unquote, um, and then as we then started to build more on top of this platform, the SCB groups set up a team that was dedicated to build on top of this platform mm -hmm. to build the next generation of, of mobile apps for young customers in, in SCB. So we said, let's just like unquote, let's just build a team that uses this platform to go to market. And then we opened up for external customers. And this is really where banking as a service comes into play. And we, we signed our first external customer last year. Uh, it's a Swedish retail conglomerate called Axel Johnson. And they started to build on top of the platform. And this is the first time, of course, when we're delivering banking as service to somebody on the outside, that is not a bank. That is not a regulated entity. Yeah. If somebody gets to leverage our 
infrastructure with everything from transaction monitoring through to fraud prevention, the banking license and all those other pieces that we deliver as a service. And then Axel Johnson set up their own front end, their own uh, you know, integration layer to use our APIs and build a great value proposition to go to market. Okay. So when we announced that um, externally last year, and we also set as a strategic ambition for the SCB group to become a leader in banking as a service, we had a, you know, thankfully a, a great response in, in the market. And we've since then have been able to in, initiate a number of exciting discussions with prospects, which now led us to believe that, hey, we think this could really be something that we want to invest in and, and build and try and scale. And that's where we decided to take it out of SCBX. So we took the tech stack, the team and everything that's SAP embedded, and we shifted it into a new business unit called SAP embedded. Yeah. Um, you know, building okay. and scaling that as a banking as a service proposition. So we now have SAP embedded. We have our first internal customer, which is Unquo, which still yep. runs on, on, on the platform and, and, and operates and, and services self-employed. We have yep. the SAP team that sits on the platform and our first external distributor. Yep. Um, and then we've told uh, um, uh, the bank, we said that, you know, SCBX you know, is still, of course, an opportunity to do, redo that journey all over again. So we've actually appointed a new head of SCBX to do exactly that same journey. So he's starting today where I was four and a half years ago uh, with really nothing, no tech, no directions, just that dual purpose, build new products, explore new tech. Let's do it all over again and see what comes out of the uh, of the kind of process this time around. So um, um, really exciting now to try and scale and, and, and build businesses around these uh, these new projects. Amazing. Yeah, I think that's that's super interesting. Um, I think we can also um, talk a little bit more on the specifics of how you build up uh, SAP Embedded uh, also on a, on a like operational layer and tech layer, um, because it sounds really like... Uh, yeah, what I see as a as a, a really great solution from a problem that actually many legacy institutions have, which is very very, yeah, legacy tech in the background, uh, outdated technology. So it's um, uh, something that I guess um, many people working in the industry struggle with when they launch new solutions or want to launch new solutions. That this is the number one reason why many um, projects uh, actually take a long time to be realized. So if you if you have the freedom to um, start from scratch, as you mentioned with a uh, thought machine and cloud native. Uh, infrastructure i think that's um that's already that removes one of the biggest hurdles and barriers that uh, that i think many see in the market as well um but if you step if you take one step back on um uh, on uh, just to define this whole movement um called embedded finance and um maybe on the the, the same uh, or the other side of the same coin which which would be banking as a service uh, it's i think very hyped at the moment um and at least in my perspective, it's it's a natural evolution of where the banking industry will be going anyways. Um, it's something I think we've seen also in any other industry that has been heavily digitized. Same is happening to banking now that you obviously, uh, you know, 20 years ago started out with electronic banking and um, started out with the heavy human driven, relationship driven banking model. Um, then the last 10 years, everyone uh, rushed to digitize existing offerings. Um, not really rethinking, I think, products from a digital perspective, but rather just bringing them on a digital layer, um, mm -hmm. keeping keeping a lot of legacy processes and operations in the background. And uh, yeah, but but you had a huge influx of, of fintech services and also a lot actually on the infrastructure side, like that you even have providers like Thought Machine now and so on. I think that's already um, a prerequisite for the next evolution, which I now think is not that all is in place with um, big trends, like, as you mentioned, cloud, um, APIs, um, uh, microservices, 
um, all these things now coming together that um, on the one hand, banks like yourself have the opportunity to really build amazing new products from a greenfield perspective, um, be super fast, be super agile. And then I guess everything is in place to also go beyond the typical banking channels. And actually, as you saw yourself, there's a lot of demand out there from other brands and, and companies to actually incorporate banking services without being a bank, but having these very agile partners in place that can provide these, these uh, elements as a service. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my view, that's like naturally where the market should be moving. But I know also that from an incumbent perspective, it's not maybe the mindset that everyone has right now, because you you might think still in like siloed, um, silent perspectives or um, think that there will be a lot of cannibalization if you start to open up all your offerings into all sorts of um, um, yeah external uh, industries and, seg- and segments that would also offer banking services. But let's maybe just, I would be really curious to hear just from your perspective, what do you see in embedded finance? Why is this important? Why is this such a strong component also of your strategy that you now um, yeah go really strongly forward with this. I think you make a good good summary of of, of the landscape of, of you know, the lay of the land. Now, just one comment on one thing you said um, that of course the you're working with with next generation technologies and enabler it's a critical enabler to increase and accelerate speed and innovation and drive these type of initiatives. What I do think, however, I think is important to mention. I think when we sat and designed SCBX, we had probably maybe an over-reliance on what the technology alone would be able to enable. So if we only get to work with cloud, you know, AI and ML, things will just, you know, solve themselves. But I think what becomes increasingly apparent and, you know, embarrassed to say in, in hindsight that, of course, this should have been just obvious, is that it's, it's also the new ways of working. It's the way of actually leveraging technology, which is a completely new operating model. It's a new, um, you know, mindset. Sometimes there's new skill sets thinking about risk in different ways, thinking about security in different ways, thinking about you know, in a cloud native environment, how does that affect your different you know, aspects of your operating model, um, et cetera. And how do you get the most out of this? And I think critically to the point that you're making, not just taking an old um, process or, or a way of doing things and then making it digital, but really taking the opportunity to redesign and challenge. And in our experience, you know, close collaboration. I often get the question, you know, how do you get your compliance department to agree with this or legal or risk? You know, we've been working extremely close with the control functions from day one. And frankly, I don't think we would have been where we are had we not got not just that collaboration going, but also the input. Because here you're sitting down with, you know, some of the sharpest, you know, subject matter experts on all these areas. And you discuss solutions to these kind of challenges and say, hey, we can use new technology. And by the way, we can this this kind of data we can feed in real time. And you know, these transactions we can monitor in this way, or this is how we can collect data on the customers. And this is how we can verify the beneficial owner of the account. And all of a sudden you get into this like, hey, wow, we can really do these things in a new way yeah. because there are new opportunities presenting themselves. So I think it's really, you know, along those lines, there's so many different aspects that are that are reinvented and not just not just the technology. Yeah. I fast forward to, to your question around embedded finance and what I think is driving it and where it's headed. And I think you're right to describe this as being a little bit in its infancy. Um, I think it's a natural trajectory because you know it, it's almost like, and in, in my mind, it's like if banking becomes readily available as a service, why would that not accelerate? Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to build a value proposition for a particular, I think it opens up for the whole verticalization of, 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 of banking. So you want to build something very specific for a particular target audience. 
And you might want to have banking as a piece of that. You might want to build a lot of great things for a certain community or a certain subsegment. Yep. And then you want to do a piece, of, a piece of banking to really tailor banking to that particular target market. Historically, that would have meant becoming a bank, applying for a license, and then all of a sudden you've got a balance sheet to run and a regulatory, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, I need to build a big book of business to even pay off for my investments. Yep. Uh, I can't just run this niche banking offering. And then it's like, hey, well, if I buy that as a service, that might not even be where I make my money. It might just be one aspect where I actually you know, build a great value proposition for my end customers. Yep. And I offer you know, the whole totality of a number of products and services that, that combined creates value for the customer. I think in so many markets today, in so many banks, in so many countries, and not just talking about the Nordics or, or um, any particular banking offering, but in many cases, you know, a, a bank account is very similar and your banking experience is very similar, whether you are a self-employed or if you are a, you know, family or if you are a, you know, an employee or if you are a retiree or if you are you know, underaged or whatever it might be. Yeah. You know, how, and, 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 you know, not to mention, you know, your line of profession, Whereas there could be so many other aspects of a value proposition that is much more tailored to a particular use case. Yep. So I think this, it's such a natural progression, as you say, and making banking available as a service just creates so many exciting opportunities. What we hear from prospects that are driving this and what we hear are key drivers for, for brands to want to engage with, with this phenomenon and us, I think it's a number of them. But I think, first of all, it's the ability to build loyalty and engagement, just increase the touch points and the engagement with, with customers. So from selling maybe a goods or a service every now and then, being able to just have a regular relationship uh, with customers, build loyalty and engagement. I think the second piece is collecting data. So to understand customers better, gain better customer insights. And you know, there's a lot of data that today disappears with your, you know, that you hand over to whatever payment solution or provider or partner or you're using what if you could actually keep all of that data yourself um, and knowing what your customers are doing partly in your own ecosystem but also elsewhere because you're the one who's actually providing that financial service value proposition the third piece here is also revenue opportunities so you know if you're a brand and you're not providing financial services you can be pretty sure that somebody else is providing financial services to your customers um, and if you have a great relationship with your customers you've got a strong brand then what if you could actually offer that financial service without necessarily having to become a bank? So all of a sudden there's an opportunity to add more revenues. Um, and I think lastly um, uh, is also the potential to become more cost efficient, to in-house more of those um, you know, payment processes, particularly if you're you know, very in, in business where there's a lot of smaller transactions or um, you know, high frequency of, of, of transactions. What if one could make that more of an in-house activity um, under your own brand, but on somebody else's license, and and that could also lead to cost efficiency. So broadly speaking, I think those are four drivers that we see in our conversations with prospects as 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 key for for driving demand for banking as a service. Yeah, I fully agree. I think it's also one of the um, one of the key reasons why these brands are so um, interested in bringing in financial services as part of their value propositions is that if you if you've ranked the financial service itself. There's not so much value in it. I mean, you get accounts, you can you store money in it, great. But then that's just uh, uh, not that's not the final end goal of most clients. They need the money to pay for things. They, you know, the money comes in, money comes out. Um, you you might need tools to pay like cards and payment functionalities, which are anyways uh, in the last five years extremely embedded now in all sorts of B two C and B two B offerings. Um, and when it comes to credit, it's also as a product itself. It's not the end goal that client. I mean, clients need external financing to do 
stuff to reach their end goals. You know, in, in, in a business context, they might need to invest in marketing, invest in product development, uh, buy machinery and things like that. So placing these, I, I see financial, most financial products um, really as an enabler in most cases. So why, why should you only offer that really isolated as the bank in your own channels where clients, um, they need to use that product anyways to go somewhere else to do something with that, you know? So um, yeah, I think especially in the Nordics, you see a lot of integrations already in bookkeeping systems, for example, where you do 90% of what you would do in your bank account already in an external software. Um, as a as a simple example, but um, I think this, as you mentioned, out of the reasons um, that that you just uh, covered, um, makes a lot of sense for a lot of brands in B two B and in B two C um, to really capitalize on that, um, and and also what you mentioned on the data part, um, you can do so much with the data you have on your clients to really improve that financial uh, experience and the product that's underlying it. Uh, so yeah, I, I think there are many great reasons why you should do it. And before we started the podcast, um, we were discussing a little bit around, um, let's say the first wave of uh, banking as a service providers also that we saw in, or that we still see in Germany that really focused on um, at, to get first use cases out. And that I think they were mostly actually in uh, in financial services and fintech, similar to the ones that you have launched um, with Unquo, which is focusing on uh, a new financial um, service app for uh, yeah freelancers and small businesses. Um, so a lot of these use cases, I think they popped up, built on banking as a service, and then everyone realized, hey, wait a minute, there's so many other brands that we could also serve, which are which are actually non-financial, which probably even need more help from us because they don't. Uh, understand the specifics of uh, everything you need to have in place, uh, like compliance, uh, legal um, risk, especially uh, when you launch financial um, services. So I'd be curious to hear, how do you see your positioning right now in the in the space? Um, are you providing everything out of the box uh, and you and your clients just implement it on their front end? Or, you know, can they bring their own balance sheet, for example, or bring their own compliance? Um, how do you distinguish yourself there? Who do you want to, um, I guess, also target with your offering? Yeah, no, it's it, it's a good question, and 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 uh, to a point, I think there was a lot of the banking services providers that that popped up successfully across Europe. Uh, I think they came from a very technology driven uh, side of things, so coming with the ability to hook you up to payment rails or hook you up to um, account structures, and, and really, I think kickstarting the phenomena and and uh, highlighting that this can be done differently and and that i think has triggered the the next wave which is really wow this is something that can be brought to a non-banking type of environment and i would say you know from from the the conversations we're having and you know, the types of prospects there's that clearly you know that 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 part of of of, uh, of the market is really interesting you know large established brands that are looking to embed financial services into their different user journeys um, where there is you know, no interest to grow or build or develop in-house banking or financial services, you know, apply for a license or venture into that, that area. Um, now, we also have, uh, you know, great conversations with financial, uh, you know, companies with financial uh, lines of business or backgrounds um, that may be looking to, you know, expand their offering or um, add new products or services or, or you know, expand uh, their footprint in other ways and uh, you know, that's as you said I mean that that, that those are our customers are very familiar with with the industry and, and, and banking um, but but you know where we find other ways to, to to collaborate and then of course there's that third category of 
of more newly started um, uh, startups, both within within fintech and uh, and elsewhere, that sees the opportunity to you know move faster or maybe spend less time building banking infrastructure and spend more time building a new value proposition. So um, you know, it's really exciting to see you know, a relatively broad-based um, demand for these types of products and services across these different categories. No, I fully agree. Um, do you then also specialize in specific products that your clients can integrate through SAP Embedded? Um, do you stick to like, let's say first standard products like cards, accounts, payments, or um, do you also, I think potentially you could offer almost any financial product of the infrastructure you have right now, right? Or so we we are uh, really driven by uh, by the demand. So um, you know the the needs of that, that our customers demonstrate. You know the the solutions that they want to to build, um, which which may not be a conversation that starts with I would like to have an account or I would like to issue a card, but may start with I would like to yeah. increase customer engagement or I would like to increase customer loyalty or I would like to you know, interact with my customers, you know, differently or collect this type of data. And then you know, we discuss around what different options and solutions there are that may be, you know, an account, there may be an account with a car, there might, might be some sort of, of financing product or something else. So very often, you know, it kind of boils down to a traditional banking product of sorts. Um, but of course, all the user experience, all the customization, all the magic happens you know, in the user journey of, of, of the distributor of the brand. Uh, so what comes out of SCB embedded uh, are those APIs and that documentation that allows you to embed financial services into that user journey. And, you know, from that API call, we take care of that regulatory compliance, that, you know, monitoring and, and, and fraud prevention and that sanction screening and, you know, all those other bits and pieces that comes with the, the license uh, part of, of, of banking. And balance sheet, if need be, and the other the other pieces, um, and 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 that's where we really think we have a relative competitive advantage. Um, you know, we think that there's an opportunity really for us to have a place in that in that value chain. And and really coming back to your previous comment that you made as well earlier on, talking about you know the conversation in an incumbent bank and risk recanalization, I think it's important for us to say that this is not either or. This does not mean that hey, we're distributing products and services via embedded. And therefore, you know, that's how we distribute, right? No, we, we, we're very happy to distribute through embedded in our distributors, but of course we're also extremely happy distributing our products and services through our captive channels, you know, our, our corporate and private uh, customer propositions, the internet bank, the mobile bank, the advisors, the uh, uh, private bankers, the uh, branch network, the telephone uh, uh, bank services. So all those are there. And, and for us, it's really that, you know, if, if we build a great value proposition that's called SCB and people use that, you know, end customers, you know, that's what we've been doing and that's what we think we're good at, we'll keep doing. But if we have the infrastructure and the rails and the balance sheet and the capital and liquidity to provide those services as a service to somebody else who builds a value proposition on top of it, you know, we can leverage that too. So for us, it's really, you know, two different value propositions. One is really a B2B product and the other one is a, B2C or at least a B2 kind of end customer uh, product proposition. Absolutely, makes sense. Um, so I understand you uh, have your first use cases live now in the Nordics, um, um, but I also see in your material that uh, you definitely also have an ambition to go beyond uh, the borders there. Um, how, how would you um, yeah, summarize, let's say, the vision? Where, where do you want to take um, uh, SAP Embedded in the next years? And um... Yeah, so, I mean, this is exciting. I, we, we said 
uh, early last year in the strategic plan for the SEB group, we said that one of the strategic goals is to have to become a, a leading provider of uh, banking as a service. Um, and you know, we, we are operating in a number of countries. We're across the Nordics and the Baltics. We have a number of home markets across Europe, UK, Germany, um, Switzerland, Austria. Um, so there's a number of customer markets that we define as our home markets for SEB today. Um, and of course, being a bank operating in the uh, in the EU, that's an ability, of course, to expand and, and, and grow that license. But what's really going to drive this is customer demand and where we think we can you know, bring a good value proposition to the market. When we look at from a technology perspective, you know, it, it's a very similar proposition in many cases. You know, you might have if it's a mobile bank ID that takes care of the authentication identification in Sweden, there might be another API call in another country and you, you know, connect to another authentication service somewhere else. Um, and, you know, to piece it together will be, will be different depending on the market. Um, and there might be some twists and tweaks, but, but for all intents and purposes, it's a, a technology proposition that should travel borders. And then of course, combining that with local market knowledge and local market partners, of course, finding the right distributors in the right markets. Um, but I think, you know, these things are early doors. That's why we're starting in, in, in Sweden, where we have our first customer, um, you know, in the market that we are up and running and operating. And then, of course, customer demand and, and, and improving the model and proving the concept and uh, earning the right to, 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 to prove that we have the capability and, and, and the value proposition good enough to move into new markets. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think also for the listeners, uh, you get a feeling that, uh, at least I do, um, that SEB Embedded is really definitely a partner that um, helps you to bring embedded financial products off the ground with the, especially considering the strong and deep expertise in, in the compliance and risk, I guess, like on the, let's say, um, all the bits below the screen that make a financial service work, um, which is not always the case with other banking and service providers, which are more, let's say, tech-focused, um, where you first just have to check out the uh, API documentation and then need to figure out how actually compliance might work if you integrate that into your um, proposition. Um, so it sounds also very bespoke, I guess, in that sense that if someone has an idea and they, as you mentioned, they just want to get specific types of data in or help the clients to achieve something with the help of a financial service. So I would definitely recommend to check out um, what you have to offer. I see your website is still, I think, under construction under sebembedded.com. So uh, we, we the, the SEB Embedded kind of business unit was launched just on the 1st of January this year. So you can still find us on scbx.io forward slash um, banking as service. Um, but then we launched the embedded, um, SEB Embedded page just a couple of weeks ago. And really the first purpose there is also for, for um, employer branding and, and talent acquisition as we're, we're, we're growing and adding more uh, uh, great talents to the, to the team to help us scale and, and, capture this opportunity yeah so um you know, those those are uh, uh, and, and there's open positions there you're, you're very welcome to go and check it out um but but read, read more about us on 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 both of those pages and of course we're we're, we're looking to build that that web page out as well as we shift sort of out of the innovation lab of scbx into our own platform of scb embedded yeah sounds amazing 
Um, so I fully recommend uh, to check these pages out. Um, and I'm also really excited to see what comes out of SEB embedded in the future. Um, I think your use cases are super exciting already. And um, yeah, I, I guess uh, it's um, only positive if you have an increasing amount of these uh, providers that you know really focus on um, making embedded financial services work across Europe. So yeah, super excited to see what else uh, what else you're working on and developing and soon uh, hopefully um, launching. So yeah, thanks also to you, Christopher, for taking the time um, to participate in the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. As you said, it's an industry in its infancy and we feel yeah. that we're very early on to our mission as well. Um, and we have a lot of things to prove, but we're very excited about the opportunity and the progress. So uh, you know, really hope to be able to uh, talk about more things as we go forward. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much.